Hello and welcome back to another episode of Cycling Talk Podcast with me, Georgia Mahoney. Today I'm joined by Chris Lawless. A massive thank you to Chris for speaking to me just a few days after he crashed in the final kilometres of GP Marcel Kint and he broke his wrist. Wishing Chris a very speedy recovery. Thank you for joining me today, Chris. No problem. Thanks for, thanks for having me. So I usually start with my um, what's your first memory of being on a bike, but I want to talk to you about your crash that you had on Friday because I was meant to speak to you on Saturday, but it's now Tuesday and you crashed in GP Marcel Kint in the closing stages. Can you tell me about that crash and what happened? Yeah, so um, all day the race was... Uh... There was quite a lot of fighting um, just because it's a typical Belgian race where small roads, quite a lot of road furniture. Um, and we knew the finish was pretty dodgy. Um, but you sort of forget about that when you when you get into the closing closing kilometres. Um, and I was looking after Niccolo Bonifazio. Um, I was his last lead-out guy. Um, and in the two races previous, he'd won one of them and got second in the other one. So we knew he had a good shot um, this day. And yeah, it was getting, I think it was about 1.9k to go. I was looking after him. We're in pretty good position around 20th, 25th wheel. And then, yeah, all of a sudden a crash happened. Um, I didn't really see where the crash started on the, um, at the moment. Um, I saw it on the video later. It started on the left. I was on the right hand side and, it just spread across the road and yeah, I ended up going over the top of someone. Yeah, I hit the hit the floor pretty hard. Um at first I didn't think there was any any real damage. Um managed to pick myself up off the floor and then I went to get my spare bike. And as soon as I tried to put my right hand on the handlebars, I was like, no, my my wrist is broken here. Um managed to ride to the finish. Um and then yeah, got to the got to the team bus, had a shower, then went to the hospital. And yeah, what I thought um, was confirmed, yeah, broken wrist, um, basically exactly where I thought it was it was broken. But um, luckily, it's a pretty simple break, so hopefully there won't be any complications. I really appreciate you coming on to talk to me, especially after the crash. How are you feeling now? Um, at first I was, um, I was pretty gutted, um, which I think is understandable. Um, I seem to be coming into a good bit of form and yeah, I was riding well for the team. The team were getting results. Um, and then yeah, to, to crash and yeah, break my wrist and maybe be out for the rest of the season. Maybe not. We're going to have to see how, how the recovery is and, what happens after I get my cast off? Um, yeah, it's pretty pretty annoying, but um, yeah, I've sort of got over that initial disappointment now, and uh, yeah, I think it's just part of part of cycling. So, what's your first memory of being on a bike? I think just my dad teaching me how to how to ride a bike without stabilizers, and I think yeah, we did it in a local supermarket car park. Now I remember getting too confident and uh, I, just, I was just pedaling everywhere around all corners. And then, yeah, I remember going around the corner and pedal hitting the floor and throwing me off. And that was probably my first proper crash as well. Um, yeah, but I'd say that's my, my first memory. Um, but then even after that, I have good memories of uh, me and my friends. Um, racing around the local streets just on um just on mountain bikes and BMXs just yeah just racing each other and make a little circuit and yeah just ride flat out everywhere. What's the first bike that you remember being really excited about? I think it had been my first track bike. Um I got it for for Christmas one year. Um maybe I was about eleven. I think yeah, 11, 12. And uh, 
yeah, asked for this trap bike and sort of knew I was getting it. But then I really wanted the uh, the paint job that was like a, a red, white and blue paint job. It was a, a Dolan trap bike and I'd been looking on the website because I was really excited. But I saw the paint job was quite a bit of extra money. And so I didn't think I'd, I'd end up getting it. I thought I'd just get a, a normal, yeah, standard paint job. And then, yeah, walked downstairs on Christmas morning and this uh, trap bike's there and it was the paint job I wanted. So I was really excited to <laughs> to get get down to the velodrome and, and ride that. Who did you ride with when you first got into cycling? It was mainly my uh, my dad um, from the age of about maybe eight, I think it was when I went eight, nine, something like that. I went to my first trail centre. Um, I think it was Grisdale Forest. And yeah, I was just rocking on on this little 24-inch wheel Scott and yeah, just trying to jump off everything I could and yeah, just just have fun. Um, and yeah, I rode with my dad, yeah, as you do as a kid quite a lot. Um, and the old boys from from the local cycling club, which was Wigan Wheelers at the time. Um, but then I also um, was part of the uh, the club at Manchester Velodrome, the kids club at Eastlands Velo. So you end up riding with a lot of a lot of kids and um, yeah, made made quite a few, few friends there and got to know quite a few people through that. Um, and yeah, some, some of them that I still speak to today, I'm still friends with now. Mm. What disciplines did you ride when you were growing up? Well, like I said before, um, yeah, I used to ride with my dad quite a lot going to trail centres on a mountain bike. So I think like a lot of kids, my first bike was a mountain bike. Um, but then growing up, I probably had every type of bike. I was quite lucky. Um, my mum and dad, yeah, um, he went buy me a new bike every week, you know, but for, for Christmas and birthdays and stuff, if there was a, a type of bike I wanted, whether it was a mountain bike or a BMX or, yeah, what, whatever discipline you could think of. Um, they tried the best to, to get me um, what I, well, the bike I needed to, to do the discipline I wanted. So I pretty much, yeah, rode everything when I was a kid, track, mountain bike, road, cross. Um, and then, yeah, I also had a, BMX that I just used to go to local skate parks on as well. Do you remember your first race? Yes, I do actually. I um I remember it was at uh, Victoria Park in Southport, um, one of the CDMW series, and I remember turning up. I was on quite a basic road bike, um, and yeah, I remember turning up. I it was a pretty cold day. I was in full winter kit, one of my dad's baggy winter jackets, um, and lining up on the start line. And there's kids there with deep section wheels, carbon frames, in skin suits. And yeah, I just got absolutely battered. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember thinking, oh, God, like, this is just too hard. <laughs> but um, yeah, through that year, I, I slowly improved and just got used to to rock, race in a bike, basically. And was cycling the main sport that you did growing up? Um, I played football for years and years. Um, and, yeah, I did a lot of sports as a kid. Played a bit of golf. Um, when I was in high school, played um, quite a bit of rugby league. Um, I'd say cycling was the one I did most competitively. Um, but... Yeah, even now, still today, if I see a football lying around, I can't help but just go and kick it. And, uh, yeah, I just love pretty much every sport. Um, yeah. Um, and I think that's why I still enjoyed cycling so much as a kid because I was always changing and things were always new. How did you manage your training and racing around your education? So... Yeah, when I was going through high school, um, I was on the I was on the talent team um, in my last year on the 16. So when I was in 
that would have been year 10, I think. Yeah, year 10. Yeah, I didn't, I, I was never taking it that seriously. It was just more about having fun. Um, and the hours were never, never massively long, you know, so it was pretty easy to just do it after school. There was none, none I didn't have to get up before school and do stuff, you know. Um, and I was quite lucky that in the summer, um, close by to me, there were like a lot of circuit races, um, chain gangs, uh, local tens, and then still being at the club at the velodrome, a lot of track time for me. So it was just it wouldn't it wouldn't be so much training. It'd just be that I'd have something to do after school every every night, pretty much. Um, yeah, and because you're going seeing people and stuff, it doesn't feel like training. Um, when you're probably actually getting good good quality work. You mentioned the talent development team. Can you tell me about your time on that? Yeah, so I spent my last year under 16 at the talent team. And yeah, it was just... Um, it wasn't so much a, like a strict training regime or something. They just took... Um, yeah, the maybe I think it was the top, the guys who they thought was like the twelve top guys in terms of talent or whatever the selection criteria was. It wasn't set in concrete. There was also there was discretion from the coaches and things like that. And uh, yeah, there wasn't really much to it apart from you got the support from a coach at British Cycling, and then you also went on some training camps. Um, it wasn't this big serious thing. It was still we were just 15, 16 year old kids. So it was still about having fun, you know. Can you tell me about your first national race? My first national race would have been, I think it was in Lincoln, actually, at the circuit there. Um, yeah, and I'd only ever done local races before that. Um, yeah, and I remember just seeing guys that would that never never seen before um and yeah I'd started doing quite well in in the regional races and um, and then yeah it was like going to your first race again you take a bit of a kick in and you're like oh <laughs> what's going on here um but yeah I think I, I was lucky that I never took it super serious and didn't really let things affect me if I had a, a bad race when I was younger um yeah, I just enjoyed riding my bike and yeah, probably went home that night and didn't think about it and just probably started messing around on my BMX the next day, you know. What sort of travelling did you have to do to get to your races and who supported you? So, yeah, my mum and dad supported me usually with my dad who came with me um, to all the races. But generally when, yeah, when I was younger, we didn't, we didn't go abroad to race that much. Um, I remember doing the Aston Youth Tour in my last year under 16. Um, but yeah, it was just, I'm lucky with where I grew up um, in Wigan. So it's quite central in the country and good motorway links. So we just used to, to drive everywhere. Some of them were long drives, but um, it was always relatively easy to, to get to different races. And yet, then when I moved up to junior, I was on the I was on the Olympic Development Program. Um, so pretty much every race I did abroad was just with British Cycling. Um, so all my travels organised by them and paid for by them, which was, I was very lucky uh, for. Um, so yeah, it was a pretty. It wasn't a massive. There was a lot of travelling, but not. It wasn't really difficult um but i'm saying that now it was i was just sat in the back of the car doing nothing but for my dad it was probably pretty tiring a lot of the time when you were on the olympic development program do you think that was when you first realized that you were a good rider and that cycling could be something that you could make a career out of i, th I think i didn't really think about making a career out of it like properly like I I knew I'd love to be a pro um 
when when I was around that age, but I didn't really put much thought into it. Um, yeah, I was still not taking it super seriously um, and just yeah, enjoying my time. I was still coming home and yeah, still doing what I did when I was younger, riding my mountain bike around, riding my BMX, going on road rides as well, doing the local races. But then also lucky enough to go on training camps with the ODP and go away to the biggest junior race in the world. Um, and yeah, I, I was lucky that I managed to get some good results in them junior races. I ended up winning one stage of a Nations Cup. Um, and yeah, so I think at that point, you, you do notice the results yourself, or I did, so, um, I did personally. Um, they, I noticed the results and knew that it was, it was good to get them results, but still didn't put much thought into whether it could actually be a career. It was more, I suppose, when I got into the academy and went full-time. Um, so I got on the academy when in the October, just before I turned 18 in the November, just as I was moving into my first year under 23. Um, and then that was the point where it was like, right, I, I was in sixth form. I'd just done my first year sixth form. Um, and that was the point where it was, I had to stop um, and not do my second year of sixth form um, and go full time. And then it was like, oh, this might actually turn into something where it is a career. Um, and yeah, it is what I do for, um, or certainly the first part of my um, adult life. In 2013, you won the British Road Race National Champs. Was that the first time that you had won a National Champs jersey? Yeah, so I remember winning the Junior National Champs. Um, and it wasn't the first time I'd won a National Jersey. I won quite a few as a under-16. Um, but I think up until that point, it was the one I was the most happy about because... Um, it was actually a, as a junior you actually start racing on the roads more and stuff so it was actually a proper road race uh, national jersey that I'd won rather than a, a circuit race um, so yeah I was uh, I'd, I'd say that was the one I was most happy about um, up to that point yeah How did you feel when you competed in your first tour of Britain in 2014 and what was your role in the team? Yeah, I was really happy to get selected uh, for that tour of Britain um, because there were quite a, quite a few of us on the academy that year and then also guys from outside of the academy that um, wanted to ride the tour of Britain for GB. Um, and yeah, I managed to get selected. And uh, my role was mainly to try and help Dan McClay, but we knew it was... Uh, it was going to be a tough race. Like a lot of us were just first year under 23. We didn't have much experience in pro races. Um, and yeah, it was a it was a tough week out. I ended up finishing <laughs> Lantern Rouge overall. So uh, yeah, just just hacking around. Um, but it was a it was a good experience. Got in the break one day. Um, and yeah, I think we we had we had team roles when we had the team meetings and stuff, but um, I think that year for, for GB, it was a lot of it was about gaining experience in, in a race like that. In 2015, you signed for team Wiggins. How did that come about? Yeah. So it was just as that was the first year of team Wiggins. And I was still on the um, British cycling Academy and they, yeah, they basically, I wasn't quite making a standard on the track um, for some of the track events, well, for every track event, basically, um, compared to the other guys. And, but I, I was just just under the level. Um, so they still kept me on the academy. But um, they said, yeah, basically, do you want to ride with Team Wiggins and do some more stuff on the road? Um, 
And I was like, yeah, for sure. Because originally um, Wiggins was set up for uh, to help the the team pursuit squad for Rio. Um, so they had a close relationship with British Cycling. Um, so yeah, when that opportunity came about, I was yeah really happy to go there and knew that I'd get a good race program. And obviously at that age, I was like, uh, Brad was one of my heroes growing up, you know? Um, so to have the chance to race with him, I, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I couldn't wait to, to take that opportunity and yeah, see where it went. Can you tell me some of your favourite memories from your time on that team? A lot of them are not memories on the, on the bike, really. It was, uh, yeah, just the stuff off the bike. Like, it was a really good group of lads and just, yeah, some of my favourite memories, like, you can't really pick, like, specific ones out. It's just, like, times in the campo when you're travelling to a race and everyone's just having, having a good time. And, and yeah, like, uh, when Brad did his hour record and we all had a bit of a party after it, that was a, a good memory, you know. Um, and even though it was... Uh, yeah, we were trying to get results and stuff. It was still pretty relaxed off the bike. And I think it made it a lot easier um, to get results in some ways because there wasn't too much stress until we actually got into the race. And the only stress that there was came from ourselves and just the pressure we put on ourselves to try and get results, you know. And you joined JLT Condor in 2016. Can you tell me about your year with that team? Yeah, so that was a that was another really fun year, another good group of lads, um, and it started off yeah really really nice. We went out to to Australia, did the Bay Crits, um, did a race in New Zealand, and did the Sun Tour, um, and uh, I think at that time. Um, it was probably the best in terms of race calendar, the best British team that there was. Um, and in terms of support as well, we were never lacking anything. Um, and yeah, I still speak to John Herity now and, and a lot of the guys from there. I think it was a, yeah, just a good, a good place to be at where I was in my, in my career. Um, I got, basically whatever races I wanted to do that the team were in um, they were really supportive and yeah I just really enjoyed my my time there through the whole year until August when I it was yeah probably around this time of the year again I uh, I had a crash but this time it was in training and I uh, separated my AC joint and yeah that was uh, that put an end to my season so as yeah that was one of the only um, bad points of that year and it was a shame that I had to cut my only season with uh, JLT early and the next year you were riding for a new team and you rode towards de Lavenier with the team Axon Hagens Berman and you finished sixth in the points classification how did you find that? yeah Action was a was a really good team run by Axel Merckx um, and yeah, he's a he's a really good guy. Whenever I see that team at um, races that um, I'm doing now, I'll always have a ride over and chat to the DS and the and the mechanics and stuff like that. And yeah, that was another. I, I I was I was really lucky in terms of the amateur teams that I was at. Um, it was just yeah, all of them were were pretty relaxed and about enjoying riding your bike. And yeah, it was just, I think that was, uh, I think you just have to look at what riders that team has produced in terms of an under 23 team. It's uh, probably got the best track record in the world for producing riders up to world tour and pro Conti teams. And yeah, uh, they gave me a good race program to prepare for Lavinia. Um, I went to Tour of Utah not long before it um, and did an altitude camp there um, before the race then did Tour of Utah so then when I joined GB for Lavinia 
I was, yeah, I was going really well. And my goal for that race was to win a stage. And then once I had that stage win, just help out the rest of the team. And yes, stage four, managed to get a stage win. And then even the, uh, the next day was a, was a sprint day. And the sprint days previously, we were going for me, but, um, yeah, Keith Lambert came to me and he was like, you've got your, your stage win now. Do you mind if we ride for someone else? Um, I was like, absolutely not. Like, like, you know, my, you knew my goals coming into this race and I've, I've done that. Um, yeah, I'm here just in support of the team now. And I think maybe the only reason I had that attitude is because I became, I'm lucky that I've become really good friends with guys that I have raced with. And uh, a lot of the guys that were in that Lavanier team were um, guys that I was on the academy with. Um, and yeah, we were a good close-knit group. Um, so yeah, I was just, I was happy to work for someone else and I still do get the same enjoyment out of winning myself or getting a result myself than I do if I know I've done a good job for the team and one of my teammates gets a good result. Can you tell me more about your stage win and what it was like to win that? Yeah, so we were, like I said, we were backing me for the for the sprint stages up until that point and uh, stage four was a, uh, was quite a strange finish it was a I think I think the climb was about 1k so or maybe a bit shorter um and top of it was about 4k to go so it was one of them stages where it's like is it going to be a sprint is it not um and we did two laps of this climb and I remember going into it the first lap and it was pretty steep um and then pretty much downhill and flat to the to the finish and I just thought if there's an opportunity here, I'm just gonna I'm gonna go for it the next lap because it would it was quite twisty as well on the on the way into the finish. Um and yeah, I went around the corner into the climb around third wheel. The two guys tried going flat out up the climb and um both both of them uh basically just blew a bit and I still had the legs to just go over the top, so I took my opportunity and yeah, um, basically didn't look back after that. And yeah, just had to push all the way to the line because I knew there was a good few sprinters behind with uh, with strong teams, especially the Norwegian team who had um, Christopher Halverson there. Um, and their whole team were a big, strong bunch of guys, you know. Um, they, a lot of them are still racing now and they're just, yeah, big, solid units. Um, that if they usually if they want to bring someone back, they uh, they'll put everything into it, and they're usually pretty close. Or they bring someone back, so I knew I had to go all the way to the line and yeah, cross the line. And that was probably my biggest win that I'd had uh, to date. So after a year with that team, you moved to one of the biggest teams in the world, Team Sky. Do you remember what that felt like? Yeah, just I think the whole that whole year. I just it was my last year under twenty three, so sort of once you get out of under twenty three, it's um I'd say it's a bit harder to turn turn pro after that. Um so I remember thinking this is the year that I've really gotta try and get results. Um and then yeah, basically got a phone call from my agent and he said yeah, Sky, want to sign you? And I was just like, yeah, sort of just a bit overwhelmed and didn't really know what to say. Um, and I remember going meeting Fran Miller in a, in a coffee shop in Oldley Edge just to, to sign my contract. And I think it didn't really fully hit home until I got um, I got the travel details through for my first uh it was the medical camp, I think it was, yeah. Got the confirmation for that. And then I was like, and then still it, it sort of hit home, but didn't. And then I turned up that first day and I was, yeah, just a bit like, couldn't believe the size of the team, the amount of staff there. And 
and things like that. It was uh, in terms of people doing the job to the best of their ability. I'd had that. I was lucky to have that at all my teams I've been in previously. But then when I went to Sky, it was you had everyone trying to do their job to the best of their ability, but you had five times more than any other amateur team I'd been at. Um, and yeah, that was, yeah, it was, yeah, like I said, overwhelming. So there are so many big riders in the team. How did you fit in and find your place within the team? So I think because of my time at Team Wiggins and Brad being one of my heroes growing up and stuff, I was probably less nervous than because I'd met, met him. Uh, than what I would have been if I hadn't been through that experience and basically the more and more time you spend around cyclists and people you've looked up to when you uh, when you were growing up you start to realize that they're just yeah they're just normal people and they basically just a lot of them are, are the same as you they're just guys that love riding the bike you know and racing and yeah it's pretty easy to to get on with people, you know, and no one's, yeah, from what I've seen, no one's been standoffish or everyone's just pretty welcoming and, yeah, they just come up to you and especially if you knew a lot of the guys will just come up to you and talk to you in case you are nervous and a bit apprehensive about joining a new team and, yeah, everyone seems to make it pretty easy from, from my experience, if I'm honest. What were some of your highs and lows from your first year with Sky? Um, I, I, my high would definitely be I got my first pro win that year um, on the stage at Coffee Bartley. In terms of lows, it was I didn't have too many lows really because I didn't have much expectation going into into that year. Um, it was more. Yeah, again, I think with every step up you take, you need to, especially that first year, you need to try and just learn as much as possible and gain as much experience as you can. Um, so I wouldn't say I had too many lows that year. I suppose the main low I had that year was um, I crashed at the Tour of Yorkshire and... I cut my knee open on a barrier at the roadside and had to get stitches in it, had to pull out of the race. Um, and I was supposed to be going to tour of California um, straight, pretty much straight after Yorkshire. And because of my stitches, I couldn't, I couldn't ride my bike because I, I didn't have full movement in my knee. And so yeah, I had to, yeah, I had to get pulled out of tour of California. Um, which was a race I was really looking forward to and now uh, by the looks of it I possibly won't um, won't ever do it because at the moment it's off the calendar. How did you recover from your crash in Tord Yorkshire mentally and physically? Physically it was just in terms of there was no internal damage to the knee or anything like that it was literally just a, a deep cut of of just flesh nothing yeah no complications or anything like that um but yeah I basically just couldn't couldn't ride the bike because if I did bend my knee um it would just rip the stitches out and I think it was just I, I think in terms of the actual recovery I need to do I think I just had to have two weeks off the bike and then get the stitches out and Mentally, it was, uh, I just sort of I switched off a bit from, from cycling. I didn't, because I was supposed to be going out to Toro, California, I didn't really want to watch the race because I was supposed to be in it and, and couldn't ride. So, yeah, I just used the opportunity to do normal normal things. Um, I was living in Wilmslow at the time, so still pretty close to my... Uh, hometown of Wigan and yeah just use the opportunity to see friends and family and yeah just basically did some 
normal things for for two weeks you know it must have been hard to have your season plans change so quickly yeah um but I think I quickly learned that year that you've got to you've got to be adaptable nothing is set in stone especially when you're at a team like Sky where there were so many big riders if something say something happened to Froomey or G and they need to change their race program around it could change another 10 riders race programs you know um, so yeah it's that's the same uh, a lot of teams you've just got to learn to be adaptable and and when you do turn pro obviously it's uh you still want to want to enjoy cycling but sometimes you you have you've got to do stuff you don't enjoy like any other job because it is your job at the end of the day and it's just something you've got to get on with some of the time in 2018 you got a dnf in the european road race championships and then in 2019 you completed the race and finished 13th can you tell me about both of these races yeah i remember 2018 it was it was a horrible race it was uh in glasgow and it rained the the whole day and yeah it was the circuit was just through the city I can't remember how long the circuit was. It was quite a long circuit, but just back and forth through the city the whole time. Um, and it was just a pretty much a war of attrition. I can't remember what point I got dropped. Um, but it was just, yeah, I remember the whole day, just for however long I was in the race, you just couldn't switch off mentally or physically. You were just either going into a corner and you're having to concentrate, when am I breaking, when am I turning in, whereas everyone else in the race, like have I got someone coming up my inside or whatever, um, what sort of road surface am I on because some of it was cobbles or really shiny flags. Um, yeah, and it just, that race just wore and wore me down the longer I rode into it and eventually just got dropped. Um, I think it was the same for a lot of people. And then, yeah, in the end, just, I was way out of the back and because it was circuits, the, usually in, in races like that, the organising and commissars just want you off the, off the circuit after you've been dropped and you're out of the race. Um, and then, yeah, 2019, I'd been going pretty well up until that point. Um, and it was a, uh, it was in Holland. A lot of crosswind all day. Um, well, for the first circuit anyway. Um, until we came onto the finish circuits, which were um, a bit smaller, had a section of cobbles, um, and a bit twisty through through a town, but mainly just just flat the whole day. And yeah, I turned up, and the team were basically completely behind me and um, I was the team leader which was yeah quite uh quite humbling um because you had riders like Luke Rowe who's really good in the classics you know I had there was Caver and then and obviously his track records amazing and then you also had Dan McLeader who's also a good sprinter and I can't remember the full team, but everyone did such a good job for me. And we said in the team meeting before it, um, there was a corner, 15k into the race, and we knew that's where it was going to split. It was a big cross tail, and from that corner, and we said, right, that's where we uh, we need to be at the front. Um, and we basically asked Alset, could he do the job of just getting us into that corner? the first team and he to be fair to him he fully committed to that job he started off in a time trial skin suit I think he had maybe two gels just tucked up his shorts and no other food with him he had one bottle on um, yeah and he was like oh, 
I'd do this 15k and get the team into the front for that um, for that corner. And I have to pull out. Well, at least I've done my job. He wasn't bothered about not finishing. And yeah, he fully committed to that. And the rest of the team fully committed to their jobs. And it was, uh, yeah, just a great experience. So I've, that caliber of riders riding just solely for me from, from kilometer zero. So after your crash in Tour de Yorkshire in 2018, you rode it again in... 2019 and you won both the general and the points classification can you talk me through how the race went yeah so my goal going into that race was just to try and get a stage win um and in my head i looked at the last stage and basically thought that's too hard for me um there's no chance i'm doing anything on that and the our team our team leaders for the GT going into that race were uh, through me and um, Eddie Dunbar. So, yeah, I think I got ninth on the first stage, which I was a bit disappointed about. Didn't, didn't do the, the best sprint I've, I've ever done, if I'm honest. And then stage two, I think I was fourth, third maybe, I can't remember. Um, but I... I remember being annoyed at myself after that day. Um, I think it didn't help. I was putting a bit of pressure on myself um, to try and get results on these stages. And I remember I looked at the finish and I was like, this is the point where I need to go. Um, and then it got to that point. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was quite far out where I decided that that's where I need to open up my sprint. But because it the finish kicked uphill a little bit and then flattened off. And I was like, I know if I get the speed up that little drag and, and hold it onto the flat section, it's going to be hard for anyone to come around. Um, and when we got there in the race, I hesitated. Um, and Rick Zarbley won the stage, basically did exactly what I said I wanted to do before the race. So I was annoyed at myself that day. And then again, the third day, um, I just made a stupid mistake. I was in the perfect position. Uh, Duel was leading me out. And instead of, as what you taught as a kid, always leave a, a bit of a gap to rush to the wheel in front. I was just stuck really close to his wheel. And when the sprint opened up, I was, I, I basically had no room to, to move and, had to wait before I could sprint um, to get to the right side of his wheel. Um, and yeah, I ended up losing the stage by a, a quarter of a wheel or whatever it was. And yeah, I was uh, I was really annoyed at myself after that. I was like, well, that's my chance of uh, doing anything in this race. Um, done now. Um, I remember getting a phone call off Dave B on the well, Davey was on the phone to the, the DS when I got back to the hotel because I had to do dope control and stuff like that because I was in the leader's jersey. Um, and that's when he basically told me that the team were going to ride for me the next day. And I was sort of like, he, he was basically telling me I could do it. And I was agreeing on the phone, but in my head thinking, oh, I think you're a bit mad, Dave, if I'm honest. Um, there's no chance I'm getting around tomorrow. <laughs> but uh, yeah, then the next day came and yeah, somehow I ended up winning the race overall. The team rode just really well all day for me. And uh, yeah, luckily I uh, when Van Avermaet attacked 5k to go, I had the legs to, to go with him and we already had Eddie up the road and basically Eddie just towed us to the finish and I knew if, if we just stayed away, that I'd win the race overall and yeah, we fully committed to that and yeah, I ended up winning. You must have been so happy with that after everything that had happened the year before. Were there any extra nerves going into it that year because of the crash before? No, not really because like I said, in terms of the overall at Yorkshire, I just didn't think I had a chance. So the, the only nerves I had were Normal nerves that I'd have 
before any sprint stage where where the team is going for me. Um, and in the race, they uh, a lot of the time they quickly go away because you're so just focused on the job and in a bunch sprint, there's so many other things going on around. So you quickly forget about the nerves. Um, so yeah, in terms of the year before, what happened didn't really affect me. You must have felt so great that the team was so confident in you for the win. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, like like I said before, I thought the team were a bit mad really putting all the faith in me, but um, it, was, it was nice for them to show their confidence in me. And yeah, who knows, maybe that did give me that bit extra on the on the day that I knew I had the the whole team, not just the riders, but the staff backing me for, for the win. The road season was very different last year. How did COVID-19 affect your racing and training plans? So one big thing for me that it affected was, um, well, to start off with, I, I just love racing. I'm not the best trainer in the world. I'm, I'm the first to admit that. Um, but I, I just love racing. Um, so yeah, that was that was pretty tough to not have any racing. Um, I was lucky on the Isle of Man that uh, things opened up pretty quickly, and in terms of like uh, yeah normal life, it, it resumed pretty quickly. But um, yeah, in in terms of my normal life, I was still missing that that racing that yeah I uh, I just love to do. Um, and another thing, I was injured after um, Kern Brussels Kern that year, and for that first part, we were first part of um, lockdown. Like the uh, rest of the world, the Isle of Man was in lockdown, so trying to get the treatment that I needed to to treat my injury was a uh, yeah just impossible. Um, so then that took longer to get back on the bike as well so yeah it was a I missed quite a big block of of training and so it was pretty hard coming back to racing and I managed to find a bit of form by the end of the year when the when the classics were on um but yeah last year was a hard year physically and and mentally and you spent the year riding for Ineos, but you're now riding for Total Energies. How did that move come about and how has your time been so far with Total Energies? There the move came about like any other move, basically my agent talking to different teams and yeah, the opportunity came to to ride for well Total Direct Energy at the time. Um, now total energies um, and yeah they it was uh, it was always hard at Ineos because not it's not really anyone's fault but as a, a rider a bit lower down the ladder you never really know completely what you're doing um, just because their goal is, is is the Grand Tour so if you're not making them Grand Tours team them Grand Tour teams you've got to just sort of accept that your race program will get changed around and stuff like that. And it wasn't something that I particularly enjoyed, you know, getting told about races last minute and stuff. And um, yeah, like, like I said, it's not really anyone's fault. Ineos have their, have their goals and that's what the whole team's about. And I think going into that team, you, you know what you're you're in for a bit, um, but I signed for that team because I know know I'd get the best support off the bike in terms of yeah like physio and things like that, and I felt that was the best place for me as a, a new rider and learning um, yeah the best place to learn for my first few years as a pro. But then now I think I've gained quite a lot of experience and know a lot just in myself what I, I need to do and things like that so taking a step 
to where I'm a bit um, more outside of the team. Obviously, the the team's based in France, so naturally I won't have as much access to the team support staff when I'm not at a race now. Um, but yeah, now with the experience I've gained, I don't think that's hard. that's too much of a hindrance. And yeah, I think yeah, the opportunity to ride for them just um, with the Ineos is quite a a regimented team, and uh, Total Energy is a bit more relaxed, which sort of suits me. The let me get on with things, they can. Uh, and lead me to my own devices a bit more when I'm at home. And sometimes I, I like that um, a bit because when I'm away from a race, sometimes I just like to switch off and just get on with my training a bit and not have to speak to people. Um, and yeah, just mentally switch off from from the racing side of things and enjoy riding my bike. But the good thing about Total Energy is if I did want daily contact and wanted to be on on the phone to my coach all the time I could be but it's more led by me rather than being led by the team where Ineos is more led by the the team uh, which I think can really work for for some people but then for other people it doesn't work as well and I think with the results Ineos have got it's clearly working for for a lot of their guys but um for me personally i think a more relaxed setup is is better for me i think it's good that you found a team that sort of works well for you because then you can enjoy your riding and your training a lot more yeah i think this year i've been obviously this year has been different to last year um in terms of the COVID situation make a lot a lot more things have opened up, travels a lot easier, less races are being cancelled. Um, so it's not just the change of teams that I've, the reason I've been happier, but I, that's a that's a contributing factor. I'm now happier riding my bike than what I was. You've done several races this year already, including Paris Nice, Balwaza, Belgium Tour, and Vuelta Burgos. How has your season been so far and what races do you have coming up? Obviously, so, it might be different with your injury. Yeah. Um, in terms of the start of the season, it wasn't, wasn't great, if I'm honest. Um, I uh, started off the Classics and I was in okay form, not, not the greatest form, um, but I was, I was okay. And then... Yeah, I crashed at La Salmon and we um, didn't think it was it, like I hit, I hit the ground hard and had to pull out of the race. But me and the team, we didn't think the injuries were, were too bad, more just bruising and things like that. And the plan after La Salmon was to go to Paris Nice. And we knew the first few days of Paris Nice after the crash would be hard. Um, but we were hoping I'd just get better throughout the throughout the race, and then we got to day four, and the whole of my right leg just went went numb, and yeah, I I basically couldn't pedal, so yeah, I had to stop Paris Nice, which I was I was pretty gutted about because it was possibly the biggest race I'd done in my career so far, and yeah, we just thought maybe. Maybe I just need a bit more rest and we'll just work on pain management, try and have a couple of days off and try and build up the hours slowly and slowly. And then it got to the point where I was able to do four hours. It was like, okay, I should be fine to race now. Uh, But you can never really fully simulate racing in, in training. And then, yeah, I got to the next race and I think it was... Uh, Nokra, of course, and yeah, but my knee was really sore, um, and I basically went back to the team car and I was like, I think I need a, a scan on my knee, um, and yeah, the 
scan uh, I got a scan the next day and it showed like inflammation actually inside my knee and uh, that was basically the the first part of the season over for me so I had some time off and knee managed to recover and yeah then started training again um, and came back to racing and yeah did Belgium tour uh, done Toro Wallonie and yeah I've done I did a few a few more races before Belgium tour and I've done yeah this this last part of the season that I've just done has been pretty full on and I've been lucky to get quite a lot of race days in. And I first met you at one of the national mountain bike races. I think it's great to see brave pros also competing in mountain bike. Is that a passion of yours? Yeah, I love I love mountain biking. Yeah, it's uh, basically any easy day I get or rest day. A lot of the time I'm out on my enduro bike. Um, yeah, it's not just XC that I like. It's uh, basically any anything, any sort of mountain biking. Um, even on days that I'm training, uh, sometimes I'll go out in the evening with a few guys and we'll ride some we'll ride our enduro bikes and and yeah it's something I'm hoping to do more of and there's a possibility of me doing more mountain biking this year but obviously now with uh with this thing on my arm and <laughs> the recovery it's going to take I don't think um I'll be doing any more mountain bike races this year um I'll probably be riding a mountain bike this winter um but it looks like in terms of races, there's there's no more on the calendar anymore uh, for mountain biking. But hopefully there'll be some more next year. Do you think mountain biking works with keeping your training interesting? Yeah, I think it definitely does. And not I don't think it's just good for the head, but um, I also think it's good physically. Like you can you can go out and without going into too much detail but if you looked at the efforts you need to do to do all this all the different zones you cover on a mountain bike ride just from riding because you have to ride so hard to go up some of the climbs and things like that if you actually broke the the file down and the numbers down you get a really good quality training session just from going out and riding riding the mountain bike and it doesn't feel like you've done an efforts day whereas if you go out on the road and do an efforts day it's not just hard physically but concentrating on right I need to do these numbers for this amount of time it also takes it out of you a bit mentally you know um so I think you could it's quite easy to get good quality work done on the mountain bike without even realizing it yeah I think it's good to sort of mix up the different training and I think it was good that you did lots of disciplines growing up because then you sort of find what you were interested in and help with your training a lot. Yeah, I just, it's a, uh, I think being a pro is, is too hard if you don't enjoy it. And me riding different disciplines is a way of me still enjoying it and keeping it fresh. Like some guys just love, riding the road bike but for me it's not I it's not just road cycling that I love it's a, a lot of cycling disciplines and I feel if I just I just rode a road bike I just feel like I was missing out on on things and then I'd start I'd probably start resenting riding my road bike and um, so yeah I think it's it's important for me to, to keep doing the different disciplines what are your goals for the next five years? Um, it's a it's a hard one to uh, to say really because it, as of yet I still don't know what team I'm going to be in next year. Um, and obviously with whatever team and the make for the team in terms of the other riders and stuff. You never know what your your role is going to be, um. So, yeah, I just want to. I, I want to keep enjoying 
racing my bike, you know. Um, and yeah, I want I want to have a a long a long career of of racing my bike. So, and to do that, you need to you need to keep the team happy and you need to keep doing a a good job. So, yeah, they've like the main goal I have is just to do whatever job I have in each race to the best of my ability, whether that's racing for myself and trying to get the win or putting everything into working for someone else. Um, as I said before, I get just as much enjoyment of getting results for myself as I do a teammate getting results when I know I've done done a good job. What's your favourite race you've ever done? I think I'm a bit biased, but Tour de Yorkshire is uh, is probably one of my favourite ones, and uh, not just biased because of me winning it, but I think the crowds you get at Tour de Yorkshire are unbelievable, and it pains me to say that being from being from Lancashire, <laughs> praising Yorkshire is not uh, not something I do easily, um, but it's a uh, yeah, it is an incredible race in terms of the atmosphere and and yeah, the, just racing on British roads is is always nice. You don't get many opportunities to do it. Um, so yeah, getting to race on British roads is is really nice. I think if I had won a big race, I'd probably say that was my favourite race as well. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of the races in Belgium are really good as well in terms of the atmosphere. Um, but I've never actually done one of the really big races um in Belgium in a normal year like last year I did Tour of Flanders but there were no fans allowed on the on the main cobble climbs so I'm pretty sure if um if I ride it again it'll be a it'll be a different experience. Where's your favorite place to ride for fun? Uh I think I I love training on the Isle of Man. I think it's uh especially on a nice day. We don't we don't get many of them, but on a nice day it's uh it's really nice. And uh there's such a mixture of of different roads and you always get really nice views and I can yeah be in really quiet roads two minutes away from my house. Um and yeah, in terms of mountain biking as well, that's that's really good. So yeah, I think I'm lucky to to live where I really enjoy riding my bike. Who's your favourite current rider? I think in terms of my actual friends, like if I had to pick two people I want to spend time with, it'd probably be. Uh, well, the main person would probably be uh, Eddie Dunbar. He's a really close friend of mine, has been for a while. And I also enjoy spending time with Swifty. I spend a lot of time with him. He also lives on the Isle of Man. Um, so I'm pretty close to, to them too. But in terms of riding style, I mean, I think you've got to, you have to admire the three main guys people are talking about at the moment in terms of the one-day races, which is Philippe, Van der Poel and Van Aert. I think when you look at when you look at them guys and obviously each one of them is better at um, the others at the at certain things, but in terms of complete bike riders, the you you, you have to admire what what they're doing and who's your favorite rider of all time i think yeah it's uh like i um alluded to before uh brad was one of my heroes growing up and um, so i think it has to be has to be him you know first british winner of the tour you know he's uh only just been overtaken as um, the most decorated Olympian by Jason Kenny. I think I think Bradden's second now in terms of decorate the most decorated British Olympian. And yeah, growing up local to where he lived, 
it was uh, he was always a bit of a local hero as well. Um, so yeah, I think I'd have to say Brad with that. And what's your advice for young riders? Yeah, like I said, the whole way through this podcast is enjoy it. You know, this mm. it's something I really think about in in terms of myself. If if I'm not enjoying cycling, something something's wrong. It's like what what do I need to change? And yeah, I think as I said before, it's it's, it's too hard if you don't don't enjoy it. You you have to enjoy it to to get somewhere in this sport. Is that's that's my opinion anyway. And you've got five minutes before you head down to the start of a race. What's on your playlist to get you motivated? I I chop and change a lot of the music that I, I listen to, and I, it basically depends on what side of the bed I wake up on. One minute I could be listening to uh, like the Smiths or something like that, like indie style music, or the next day, five minutes before I start, I could be listening to house music. You know, it's uh, I'm I'm a fan of all all different styles of music, um, so I couldn't really give you a proper answer for that, if I'm honest. Thank you for joining me today, Chris. No problem. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed this episode and that you take something from it. Don't forget, all my episodes are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, my Buzzsprout website, and all the usual podcast places. Check out my Instagram account and Facebook account at cycling.talk.podcast. See you on the bike.